I'm going to just, if we can, going to run right to Luke uh, chapter 10. And I'm just going to, there was a few other scriptures that we have available to put up. We'll pass on them. Let me just tell you what they were about. Number one, the first one would have just been Luke's introduction, in which he points out that he is laying out in a very orderly fashion uh, this account of Jesus Christ. And that's just readily understood about Luke. In chapter 9, he called 12 disciples to go out. He sent them out uh, two by two, and he had them go into some places where he was going to be kind of prepare the way for him. And they were to do healing ministries, and uh, they were to then um, uh, make make preparation for him. And then in chapter 9, verse 51, there is this well-known verse in Luke. And now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And everybody who studies Luke knows that particular verse, that from then on, the rest of the book is Jesus on his way to Jerusalem where uh, he will actually go to the cross. And the next verse there indicates he had to go through Samaria because he was, as he passed through Samaria, but heading to Jerusalem and there was this tension between them, uh, they didn't receive him. Then we come to Luke chapter 10, and this is where we want to be for today. After these things, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, after these things, now he's on his way towards Jerusalem. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money, money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. And there's other things that, as he goes on. But he's giving this instruction to the 70 as they go before him to the cities, he will ultimately come and minister in those cities. It's interesting that he says, how, how, how encouraging is this? I'm sending you as lambs among wolves. Okay, there's some dangers that are going to be in front of you. The task that is before you will not always be easy. It will not always be comfortable. It will not always be fun. Just think in terms of what we just saw. Okay, where there are there are pressures to bear. We we speak very um, we we speak in a way that we don't don't name places. And although we all know where it is, it's like hey, you notice they didn't name a place and they didn't name the language that Nathan is able to speak in. Because there are wolves. There are those who are opposed to the work 
uh, of the gospel, and uh, that will always be the case. So he says, you're going to go into places where it isn't always going to be happy. Now, if they receive you, bring healing to them and bring this message of hope that the kingdom of God has come near. That's why this healing is able to happen. That's why you're going to be able to heal the sick, because I've given you the authority and the power to do that. If they reject you, you still give them the same message, that the kingdom of God has come near. You have been in the presence, and the one, well, the one who is coming will, will represent the presence of the kingdom of God. And uh, we were here to demonstrate it. You would not receive it, so now you wipe off the dust from your feet from that town. And uh, you say that it'll be, it, it, it will be a better place for Sodom and Gomorrah than what's going to happen with them because they would not receive the kingdom of God. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking like uh, the way we might consider this is you either bring a healing hand in that you have the power to bring healing to those who will receive the message that the kingdom of God is there, or you bring a healing rebuke, H-E-E-L-I-N-G, in that you... You grab your heel and you clean it off and say, I don't even want the dust of you to follow me because you have rejected the kingdom of God that is near to you. So either brought a healing hand, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, or a healing rebuke. But in either case, the message was the same, that Christ is coming and with him comes the kingdom of God. So he gives them this instruction, but that all followed a first instruction and that first instruction could be easily overlooked, and yet it is our verse for today. It's our verse. I've, I've actually selected it because we're about to enter into, in a little bit, our annual meeting. By the way, I hope you'll all stay. I really do. We certainly need members to stay so that they can vote and help us reach our quorum and make decisions. But even if you're not a member, we invite you to stay. There's a couple of reasons for that. We still want to hear what you would have to say on topics that we raise, issues we have to talk about. If you're not a member, you can still speak and tell us what your thinking is on these things. The other thing is we very much want you to see who we are. This is how we conduct our business. These are the things that we are about because we have a secondary motive. We'd like you to consider membership and joining us and being a part and take a little more ownership in this. And in order to make it possible, as you already know, it's a meeting and that this food is served and um, it all happens smoothly. You don't have to have brought something. It's not a potluck. So please, uh, if possible, uh, join us and you'll see the continuation or at least why the message that I'm sharing today is what it is. So he says to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. He contrasts the task that is going to be before these people with the labor pool available presently. And he says the, the proportionality here is not quite what it needs to be. And I'm going to take very directly this kind of application and make a jump quicker than uh, maybe will be comfortable for some of you, but I'm going to go right with it and say I believe that this still applies for us today who have been called into the commission of the, of the work of the kingdom. And uh, first, I'd just like to say this, because our task is bigger than we are, and it's, it's the same thing today, friends. Anybody who's got hands-on engaged in the work of ministry in a church, I don't mean vocationally. I just mean people who are involved and they know what's happening 
will all tell you that we always need more help. Always need more help. And that's for this very simple reason. Ministry is completely open-ended. There is always one more need. There is always one more concern. There is always one more hurting soul. There is always one more lost soul that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The work is never done. And everybody here could get mobilized and become vocational. And this is all that you do. This is how you make your living right here. And we still would not begin to touch the needs that are out there. And... Um, that's the simple reality. Because our task is bigger than we are, our needs are bigger than we are. We cannot pull this off. We are not capable to just say, hey, you know what? We see what's before us, and we're going to get the job done, Lord. You can count on us. The New Fold and Evangelical Free Church, we're going to get the kingdom work completed. Yeah, it's not going to happen. You see, friends, here's the reality. And this is how I'm wired, and this why this, this particular verse speaks to me. When you see how big the task is and you see how few the laborers are, then what do I want to do? I want to work harder. <laughs> Let's work faster. Let's be more efficient. But really, friends, working harder, working faster, working more efficiently will not cut it. It's not going to solve this disproportionality. Because our task is bigger than we are, our needs are bigger than we are. And so there needs to be something else involved here. Our tendency is to do more. Jesus said what? He said to pray more. And that's what we need to note in this verse. All right? That's what, we, that's what I, want us, I want us to be aware of. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's got to begin with this question of prayer. It has to be that God will mobilize more and more people and get them involved around us. Now, we learned something today. We learned something today called the South Korean style of prayer, which was interesting. It's, a, it's how they apparently do it in South Korea, and these requests are put forth, and everybody prays at the same time. Wonderful. As I look at this verse, I, this is what strikes me, and I don't know anybody else who uses this term, but I've been thinking of it for years, and I see this as strategic prayer when it comes to kingdom work. You see, there are different ways in which we might approach prayer, and we've already done it today, but let's just think of this. Think of the Psalms, and you know that you've come across some of the Psalms. They're called imprecatory Psalms, where you, you bring down the rage and the wrath of God upon your enemies, and that's what you're praying for, that the enemy's bones will be broken, okay? That's imprecatory praying, asking God to bring just penalty upon those who have unjustly offended you. And so there's that whole realm. There's there's intervention prayer. And that is probably what we do the most, at least from up front here, when we ask God to intervene on Randy's behalf, to sustain him, to be able to get to Mayo this week, to uh, keep Darlene on a course of healing and, and wholeness. We're, we're used to that. Lord, we need you to be at work in, the, in these people's lives and to intervene on their behalf. 
Here's what I mean by strategic prayer. Strategic prayers are prayers acknowledging our need for God's specific help in carrying out His work. Prayers acknowledging our need for God's specific help in carrying out His work. Now, personally, just speaking from my own experience, I've reached this conclusion years ago. God delights to answer strategic prayers. He just delights for his people to come before him and say, Lord, we believe you've called us to this task. You want us to get these things done. It's bigger than we are. We can't possibly do it on our own. Lord, will you help us? And we may very well name the ways. Like Jesus said, pray the Lord at harvest. He send forth more laborers. And the reason I believe God is God delights to do this is the gazillion times it just seems like he has. Now, it's, it's, it's almost mythical in my thinking as to what this has become, but I know I've recounted the story the best I've understand it, and briefly, prior to our ever being in ministry in New Folden, there were some elderly people who, um, they weren't all that old at the time, You've gotten there, Bob, but you weren't then. Yeah. There were those who looked around and they, and I think it, I think some of it came from the Gideons and their wives. And they saw as they were in churches, a lot of gray hair. And they could see the writing on the wall for these churches that if something didn't change in those churches, they were going to die out. And then they came back here and went, hmm, we need young families. And they prayed for young families at a time when Miles and Judy were the only young family here. They were it. And in a matter of time, pretty soon, the families came. And it's been an amazing run, these young families, okay, that, that came. And now, right, some of them... There, and I'll mention it in a little bit, kids who weren't even born to these young families, that's how young they were, are now getting involved in our work here. Okay, But we've watched a generation of young people grow out of those young families. Okay, we Somehow, God graciously sent us the Stanells, and we're watching two of their three children now in ministry in the way they are. God has just been blessed, or has blessed us and been pleased to answer the question of young families. There was something that... Um, was understood when the first arriving here, there was, uh, everybody knows, if you're in a rural area like this, everybody knows the schools. Schools is the hub to what happens in a town. We had no connection to the school to speak of. We had connection to heritage, which is wonderful, and we still do, and we thank God for that. But nothing of any real significance to the school locally or the other schools around us. And so prayer was offered for a connection to the school, for a good working relationship with the school, for people from the schools. And over time, God has just given us given us um, an, any number of people. Now, some of them, they, I, they never ask me about their career choices and whether it's okay if they leave the school and take another position in another school. They've never asked me. They come in and tell me if they've taken this position, and then I yell at them and scream at them and say, what are you leaving me for? Okay, but God has given us a wonderful connection with the schools. That was a strategic prayer. Here's one revolves around a particular individual. When we were back in the previous worship center, 
Most of you don't know this, okay? I was dying on the vine as far as trying to plan worship services. This is before we had a staff person who would lead worship. And we were back in the day when all we used were, was old hymns. And we would use a hymn and a prayer and a hymn. And we started, and there was three hymns in every service. And there was one day that I was just so frustrated. Now, I had been praying for this for some time, but it came to one day I was so frustrated on a Friday. It took me three hours, three hours to select the hymns for the service because I was so frustrated and so irritated. It had become so boring, so rote, so routine. And uh, so I'm praying, God, we need somebody who will give us help in this area. And it was after that Sunday service that Connie Folden came up to me and she said, can I help you in planning the service? Can we try some other things? And you don't know this, because for most of us here, Connie is just this, Connie and Jean are this sweet elderly couple that come in and she's got medical needs. Right? But I will never forget how God used her to start nudging us in a different direction. And then many wonderful things came out of that. But she got us off of that track. And that was answer to a strategic prayer that something has to change here. There's an entire story that goes with the roof line on this church when we were building this addition. And uh, we just needed God's help. And he offered it in those. And I've said this before, Peggy will will vouch for this. When this church was dedicated, those of us who were on that building committee, we knew God had done something. The task was bigger than us, and the needs were bigger than us. And God stepped in, and God did something. Mike will tell you the story, if you'd like, afterwards about Priscilla at Big Sky. We were praying that God would make his presence known. That was a strategic prayer, okay? And we watched God answer that in a way that we were just humbled. And you know, here's what, here's what I've noticed about these prayers also, friends. When God answers a strategic prayer, you do not forget it. Every one of these things just remains so real to me. Now, from the time that I've been here, I've had uh, no less than been, you know, my checks were written by four different people. Let's put it that way. I've had four treasurers. Carol Lindstrom was one. He, When he quit, he said somebody with computer knowledge has to do this. Larry uh, Bjorsness took over. And then Larry was going to, I think, I don't know if it was a time when we were shifting over there, he's going to take the missions committee. And God graciously sends us Rhea Hansen. Did an outstanding job as our treasurer. Okay, they kept having babies. Eventually she said, I can't do all of this. Something has to give and my husband expects me to be involved with these children. And so I'm going to need to give this up. Well, you don't replace Aurea Hansen. I mean, she's extremely capable. And I think it was within a, a day or so. No, I think it was the next Sunday after she let us know she was going to need to quit. And we're like, oh, no. All right. How do you replace Rhea? And the next Sunday, we're praying. Leanne says to me, right over here, I think it was, Leanne, that's what my memory says. Right? You said, you know, I think I'm at a place, I'm ready to take up something more. Because they had moved into the area. And how do you like to be our treasurer? She does an outstanding job, as you will see. All right? But there it was. And the transition from one very, very capable woman to the next very, very capable woman. And God was answering strategic prayer on that. And then most recently... Uh, was the prayer that was offered at the beginning of 2018 by 
a few people, I'm not saying it was the entire church was on its knees, but a few people for something significant to happen last year. And out of the blue in the middle of the summer, boom, God sets before us the privilege of leading the worship service at the Marshall County Fair. And 14, 1,500 people show up because he also at that very moment brought the, the picture of Lori Line in front of us. And the board was just like, this is unbelievable to see what God is doing. So my point is God delights to answer strategic prayers. And that's what Jesus is setting forth here. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. There's a strategic prayer there. Here's what I would like to, if you will allow me, here's what I would like to just throw out, because, again, I told you, this is very much in light of the fact we're meeting as, a, as an annual meeting, our, our congregation, okay? Um, might then ask, okay, so what are our needs right now? What are those strategic needs that we have right now? These are the things that are always open-ended. There is always a need. One, here just... just do you ever think about this? I just want to remind us of this. It's been a while since I've done this. Just to pull off this service. Do you ever stop to think how many people it required to have this service happen the way it is? I mean, you're going to leave here and you may think about, well, you know, Barrett, you know, muffed up another message. He had a good opportunity. He blew it. Or, do you know, the, uh, it was wonderful to see Rochelle and Evan do that, uh, that offertory. Great. All right. But there's a whole lot more people in everything about it. You see, we walked in, and there was a bulletin available, right? That's because Brenda made the bulletin. And how'd you get the bulletin? It's because there was somebody at a door waiting for you to uh, have the bulletin. And that's because Rick Smith always makes sure there's people at the door. But before you got to that door, you came in an original door. And in that door, there was hopefully two people waiting for you there because they're called greeters. And they're glad that you were here. Well, how did they get there? Because somebody organizes this fact that we need greeters to be here. And then when we are in here, nobody pays attention to a guy like Cruiser unless he messes up and something goes wrong with the sound. Then you all know that Cruiser's on the board that day. <laughs> then you know, okay? So we got somebody sitting on sound, and then we had how many, was it six people up here today? Five, six more people that were here? And I'm missing some, I'm sure. Okay, we, oh, the ushers, there were four people who came. All of these things have to be put in place. All right, I'm trying to get you a sense as it takes a lot of work just for this service to happen. And don't forget, there's people doing children's church. There's people in a nursery right, right now. They're out there serving. And this is how they're honoring the Lord in doing that. And then we've overlooked what took place in Sunday school. How many people were involved in making sure Sunday school happened? So... I'm just letting you see the needs are always great, all right? Specifically right now, I'm aware of this. You're going to see we need a missions director. Now, there are some things that are in play that may be providing that come June, but that's a very real need that we have right now. Secondly, Paul has let us know, Paul Buck, who's been very, very faithful, that he senses it's time to give up his role as the Awana commander. So we're going to need that. I guarantee you, Awana is always looking for workers. Always. There's never enough people. 
to manage Iwana. I told them that when they asked me 23 years ago what I thought about the Iwana program. I have a soft spot in my heart for the Iwana program because that's where I came to Christ. So I totally believe in the program. But I said to them, you will always be looking for help. And that's the truth because it just takes a lot of people to make Iwana work well. And I'm not sure... I, sometimes I wonder if people think, oh, there's all sorts of people just running to the front saying, hey, I want to help in these areas. I really want to be a part of this. And how can you use me? And where will you put me? As if they're just bodies pressing against us to do these things. And it's not the case. And here's something to keep in mind, because we might look around quickly, and this is what the, this is what a nominating committee runs into every year. So I'm asking you to keep this in mind. We might look around and say, well, that person could, that person could, that person could. But it isn't always that simple, and here's why. Sometimes people need a rest because they're faithfully ministering here, and sometimes they just need a break. Okay? I won't point to you the people who are sitting here right now who I know they, because of the faithfulness of their ministry, in, in years past, I could hear the exhaustion in their voice. And they needed a break because they were doing this thing for so long and that's it, okay? There are family responsibilities that prevent somebody from being able to just be readily available to do the things that need to be done. There are people who their work hours prevent them from being available because their job requires them to be gone. And then there's always, we're always striving for the question of gifting and fit. You don't I learned this the hard way. You don't put warm bodies into a slot. You put the right bodies that God directs into a place. Because if you're just using a warm body mentality, you are asking for trouble. So sometimes there's that which is an issue. There's maturity issues that come into place where some people, they may even want a particular position. They're not mature enough to handle it yet. And uh, then there's the questions of confidence. Some people don't have the confidence to step into a ministry. We're kind of like, go, go, you can do this. No, I don't think I, I, don't think I can. And um, another thing that we, that we have now, and these are good. So I hope I, I'm not trying to come across negative. I'm just trying to help us to see. You know, the task is bigger than our abilities. Therefore, we've got to be praying about these things, friends. That's the point. The, the needs are real as we're coming to this annual meeting. Understand that. Here's one that I'm just delighted with. I love this problem. We just found out within the last two weeks we're going to have some space issues. You see, because we have some of those young families that I mentioned early on in that strategic prayer, some of those young families, their children have grown up. And those children are now asking for a specific place that they can have a Sunday school for themselves because they want us to stay identified with this church. And these are those who are in the out of high school into their mid-20s kind of range, and they're asking for their own class that they will run. Now, how exciting is that? We're having to adjust a few spaces with how we're using Sunday school class. And then that no sooner came to me Within the next 24 hours, I'd heard, and, and, and forgive me, I honestly cannot remember, that's what my last two weeks have been like, who brought this to me? So if you were the person who brought it to me, or you know about it, I need you to talk to me afterwards because we want to get this up and running. But there are some young families who would like the Sunday school class that they can gear things toward themselves as parents of young children. How exciting is that? Right? Don't know yet where we're going to go with those. Where are we going to find the space for that? But it's a need, isn't it? And it's a need that requires strategic 
prayer in terms of God making available to us people and places and space and how we're going to do this. So, if you're understanding what I'm, what I'm getting at here, because our task is bigger than we are, our needs are bigger than we are, therefore, we need to pray. And that brings me to just my last thought, and that's this. Who will pray? Who will pray for us? Um, tell you a little story. We're wrapping it up. We've got a meeting to get to. When Lowell Hogberg was still with us, he was one of the finest Christian men I have ever met in my life. When he was still with us, he would call me on, on, during his trip to Texas. He would always call. He would always check in on me, wanted to make sure I was doing okay. But somewhere in that conversation, he would say, How is the work going? How is the work going? That's so important. The work. The proclamation of Scripture. People being fed. How is the work going? And I always knew with people like the Lowell and people like the Larry, there were, there were those who were praying for this ministry. They were consistent in praying regularly for the ministry of this church. And it's been a question on my mind for the last number of years as I've watched them get older and now we've lost Lowell is, Lord, who are you going to raise up to pray like they pray? You see, because it isn't a matter of working harder, faster, or more efficiently. Jesus said, Pray, the Lord of the harvest, to send forth laborers into the field. We need to pray strategically. And can I just ask that if God is urging you to become a committed prayer partner for our ministries, that you take that seriously? Because that's the first line of defense or strategic planning that Jesus set forth. It was not all these other instructions about what you do when you get to a town. His first strategic plan was pray that God will be providing what is necessary. So if you have a heart for this church, friend, I beg of you, please be praying. There's one thing we do. It won't happen this night because, it's the, um, because of the annual meeting. But generally we try on the last Sunday of the month to meet back here about 5 o'clock. We call it our Forward Prayer Initiative, and we pray specifically about the ministry of this church. Not many of us, but it's some really committed people who are going to be here praying and would love to invite you come the end of February. Keep that in mind, because we need your prayers. Amen? And I realize it's very much a message leading us to an annual meeting, but that is where we're at. And we, I wanted us to think about these things. Father, thank you for the joy of being gathered together. Father, I thank you for how you have answered repeatedly, repeatedly and repeatedly strategic prayer offered on behalf of this church and this congregation, Lord. And Father, once again, we acknowledge we have incredible needs here. It is so much bigger than anything we can do, Lord. We need you to be moving whether it's space issues, whether it's leaders' issues. Um, Father, we need you to move. And uh, I ask that you draw from us, first and foremost, foremost this morning, Lord, prayers, those who will keep this church in front of you for strategic needs. 
I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.